Listening Dog Media. The Heal is Real podcast with Abby Eastwood and Debbie Mack. Hello and welcome to the Heal is Real podcast. I'm Abby Eastwood and this is the very lovely Debbie Mack and we have got quite a show for you today, haven't we, Debs? Yeah, we've actually got two guests on the show today. Firstly, Bianca, who is the host of, well, I suppose you could say the Australian version of uh, our podcast, which is called Could It Be I.I.? She is 35. She had her implants for 16 years and has quite a story to tell. And also Emily, who's just up the road from me in Preston, who is 32, and she had her implants for 11 years. Ladies, welcome to the Heal is Real podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great to be here. First podcast, I couldn't ask for a better one to be on. Oh, Emily. <laughs> See, Emily is a podcast virgin. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we'll look after you. It's all good. In fact, let's start with uh, your story, Emily. So you had your implants in for 11 years. Um, take us back to the start and just tell us what made you put them in in the first place. So I think my story began probably around the age of 13. So it didn't help probably that a lot of my best friends had lovely large breasts at a very young age. So I was always comparing myself to that, thinking, when will mine grow? <laughs> and I remember having this conversation with my mum and bless her. She said, they'll grow, don't worry, they'll grow. And obviously they never did. So I think if it had been legal, I probably would have had implants put in at 16. And if I had the money, I probably would have had them in at 18. But I um, ended up getting them in at the age of 20. Um, just a few months before my 21st birthday. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly. I can't pinpoint a specific point where I felt like, right, this is it, I'm getting them in. I think it was just something that happened quite gradually over the years. So, obviously, as soon as I was able to put them in, I just, I think I just always knew that I would have them put in when I could. Mm. Um, I, I got to that point and I had the money and I thought, right, I'm just going to do this. I was, um, I was just about to go and work. It was 2011. I was going to work a summer season in Magaluf. Maga, maga. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I got a job in a bar and I was like, right, I'm going to do this and I don't want to get in that bikini without them. So I made that decision and I, I actually did quite a lot of research at the time. It wasn't something that I just jumped into. I, I, I joined... I mean, at that time, there was just things like forums that you could join um, rather than, you know, social media as it is today. So I did I did quite a lot of research into the surgeon. Um, I wanted somebody that, you know, went for, he, he kind of marketed himself, if you will, as how, doing natural um, looking breasts. So that's what I wanted. You know, I didn't want something um, that were too big. Um, although I ended up having some slightly larger ones than I planned for, I went for a four ten cc in the end, which for my, wow. my quite slender frame, quite big really. It's big. Um, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. What size were yours then? Two hundred cc. I think mine were. And okay. mine were about two two eighty. I can't even remember. It was only last year. Two seven five. I think I ended up with. What about you, Bianca? Mine were. I think two ninety. Wow, right, yeah, so 410, yeah, yeah, quite big then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know what? I I did love them at the time. You know, I was confident. I put that bikini on and, you know, I I was happy with them. Um, But within six months, that's kind of when the first symptom came. Um, So I was coming to the end of my season and I woke up one day and I had these patches all over my body. 
and it turned out to be psoriasis. It was a form of psoriasis called gutate psoriasis, which was small, round um, patches, and they covered my body. Within two days, I was covered head to toe. In fact, my face was the only place that I didn't have it. So obviously, I went from having this confident summer, um, you know, with these new boobs, everything was great, to going back home to my parents' house and not leaving the house for three months. I was oh, bless you. It was painful. It was sore. It was. I didn't understand it. Why that was happening to me, and yeah. So I went to the doctors about it. They, you know, they told me it was a, a skin condition, and um, and prescribed some creams and some light therapy, and it went away after a while. Not completely, but to a point where it wasn't. You know, I was leaving the house again. Um. So yeah. So that happened, and then. I decided, seeing as though it's almost gone, I'll go and do it again. So I went back the next year and I went and worked in the same bar again and had another great time. However, it was slightly different this time because I was obviously conscious of these patches that I still had, although, you know, it wasn't as bad as it was before. I still had these patches. And then I started to get um, migraines at first, when they started to come, it wasn't significant. I was probably having, you know, one or two a month at this point. And sometimes they'd last for two days and I would just be completely bed bound for two days. Um, around the same time as well, um, I got a cyst in my breast and I started to get a shooting pain. So it was this sudden shooting pain and it was so intense that I would literally ball over in pain. And it would last around 20 seconds. But in that 20 seconds, I couldn't even take a breath because it was that severe. Wow. And it was around the same place as I had this cyst. So I went to my GP. And the first thing that they did is send me back to the surgeon that put my breast implants in, which I find really interesting now looking back mm -hmm. because I don't know the exact reason for that. Did she think that there was some connection with the breast implants? I'm not sure. However, went back to the surgeon and they said, no, nope, nothing to do with the breast implants. You need to go back to your GP. And that's what I did. And I had it biopsied and I had um, an ultrasound on it. And they said it's a sort of small fibroid cyst and that they'd leave it alone unless it got bigger and it became, you know, more painful or, or something that you know, I couldn't live with anymore. So that was that. Um, yeah, and I think that... The, and the chronic fatigue came as well then, so I started to feel more tired in the morning. Um, there was quite a running joke as well, so obviously I was I was young, I was going out a lot um, with friends, drinking, and there was a bit of a running joke with my friends that the next day they'd go, do you need a paracetamol? Because I was the only one that would have a hangover. <laughs> um, my body not detoxed. Um, you know, everyone else was fine. We'd had exactly the same to drink, yet I was the one that was in bed all day being sick in the toilet, so... Um, relate to that yeah so that yeah I can imagine yeah it's um it is it's our bodies just don't detox the, the same do they with these things in our bodies no. you know it's that constant fight against them so so you had all of these symptoms going on uh, obviously for a good 11 years at what point did you start to correlate that there might be an issue with all your symptoms and it being your implants causing it so I kind of carried on with those same symptoms for quite a long time. And it was around, so in 2020, um, I had my our first daughter 
And then our second daughter was born in 2021. So we were very busy during they the were. pandemic. So yeah, I, it was kind of after they were born that things started to get more severe. Um, and my migraines after I finished breastfeeding, um, which was a struggle. Um, after I finished breastfeeding, um, my migraines came back with a vengeance. I, I was having around 15 a month. Um, I was wow. logging them. They they were, yeah, it was debilitating. And I, luckily, I mean, I was working for myself by this point because if I'd have had an employer, I don't think I would have kept a job down. It was that bad, you know. Um, so yeah, I was having these uh, these debilitating migraines. I was taking um, ibuprofen sort of every other day. Tab a tablet called Sumatrapan just to function. So I was waking up in the morning, basically every day I'd either have what felt like a hangover, even though I'd not had a drink, or a, a migraine where I just felt sick and I couldn't get out of bed and everything was spinning and it was awful. So I was taking these tablets just to function, but although they would sort of get rid of the headache, I'd still feel all the other symptoms through the day, you know, the sickness and tiredness and so yeah, anyway, I ended up um, a few months after that as well, I got um, a thyroid cyst and this was kind of the real scary one because um, I spent sort of a few, so I went to my GP and I was driving along and I felt something made me touch my neck and I felt this lump in my neck and I thought, my God, what is that? You know, it was, it was huge. So I went to my GP and I said, uh, you know, what is this? And they said, oh, you've, you've got some kind of nodule and it's attached to your thyroid. So they put me on a two-week, you know, urgent referral, um, basically to check that it wasn't cancer. And unfortunately, that took three weeks because they lost the referral, but that's another story. Oh um, so, yeah. so after the three weeks of, you know, Googling and frightening myself to death, they had um, an ultrasound on it and it turned out to be a fluid fill cyst so I said right okay so what's the outcome in this what what's likely to happen they said well generally they tend to get bigger and bigger and then you may have to have surgery to remove it in the future um, and remove half or all your thyroid um, and then be on medication so obviously I you know I thought hey this is this is scary I don't want this to happen you know so that was already in my mind that I wanted to do something for my health. And then I went on holiday with my friend um, and I was telling her about all these things that have been going on. And she turned around to me, she said, Emily, she said, have you ever thought that it could be related to your breast implants? And I, and I turned around and I said, what? No, like, why, why would that be? Um, and, you know, why do you say that? And she said to me, well, I follow um, a lady on Instagram and she's been talking about all these symptoms that sound very similar to yours. Um, and she's had hers taken out and got better. So then I came home from that holiday and that's when I found the Facebook group after doing a reading. And it, it, the information is there, isn't it? You know, now you only have to put a Google search in, but unless you put that Google search in because you make that connection, you just, you don't see that. So... Um, yeah, I found the Facebook group and that's when I kind of thought, yeah, it's definitely the implants. It, it has to be. 
It's it's so interesting to hear, Emily, because obviously we've spoken to a lot of women now and it's so interesting to hear the, the patterns that come through of, of the similar experiences that so many women have. And just coming over to you now, Bianca, obviously you do a podcast very similar to ours, the Could It Be II podcast, and you have spoken to loads of ladies. So you've obviously seen loads of patterns as well. Can you, before we get onto your story, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A majority of the women that I've spoken to have found out about breast implant illness just through social media. Um, It wasn't recommended by their surgeons. It wasn't brought up by their GPs. Um, There was one lady, Heidi, who um, was watching the news at a friend's house. She was having a pool party. She was actually preparing for her funeral because she had this myriad of symptoms and she didn't know where they were coming from and like she'd sold everything down to having like a couple of outfits and one chair in her house because she, she's like I'm just going to die and um, hers was a news story it was a news reader who had been through um, breast implant illness and an explant herself and she shared the story as part of her news um, items for that day so yeah it's it's so often that it is something like social media that's brought BII to the attention of the women that I've spoken to. And and that was my story as well. So shall we touch a bit on your story then, Bianca, and and hear your journey with BII and how and how you got to start your podcast, which is helping so many women? Absolutely. So um, my story started similar to Emily's, um, a conversation with my mum when I was 13. Um, the conversation was a little bit different. Um, I am one of four daughters to my mum. My mum was about a D cup. She always had very big boobs. Uh, one of my sisters has had an, um, a reduction. Another sister would have a reduction if she had the ability to, but she has some caring responsibilities. And then my younger sister just grew up with perfect C cup boobs. Um, and I just never developed properly. And it was 13 years old where mum was like, we've all had boobs by this stage possibly something's wrong you know you can look at getting breast implants down the track and at 13 I was like what (laughs) like that's just not something that I ever considered and and thought would happen um fast forward to when I was just freshly 19 I had a a different surgery to have a 7.6 kilo ovarian cyst removed and I had looked about six months pregnant for a long time in the lead up to this because I was misdiagnosed with gas and um, food intolerances before that happened yeah Um, and my mum once I'd had that cyst removed I went from being you know looking pregnant to looking quite slim and I still had no boobs and mum brought up the idea of breast implants again and it always comes from a place of care with my mum. I've had a few people go, oh, like, why would your mum recommend that? But it was honestly just if if you're insecure about something, you can fix it. That was the way she was thinking when it came to recommending breast implants. Of course, so and we all thought they were safe. So uh, we, we, we're told yeah, they're safe. So of course your mum will, yeah, carry on, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that's fine. And she thought maybe I might be able to get a fat transfer rather than breast implants. I did go to a surgeon who said, look, no, you actually have a deformity called tuberous breasts. And I didn't actually realize that there was a problem with the way it looked. I knew that they were a funny shape, but it just wasn't like something that I thought was a thing. Like I was just like, okay, this is just how I look. Um, But then to find that out, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So they look quite different. They don't um, go down quite as low on your torso. Um, they're kind of like triangles pointing downwards. like, um, And they were very different sizes as well. But I didn't even fit into a double A cup. Um, 
uh, like before I had my surgery, that surgeon that I initially saw said, look, you can't have a fat transfer. You would need something like tissue expanders first before you had implants and I can't do that. So I'll refer you on to a reconstructive surgeon. And she was great. She, um, she was a little bit intimidating when I was 19 because she is um, very like to the point and, you know, very mm-hmm. few words, but um, explain the fact that I'd have the tissue expanders. So they were put in when I was uh, like in November, not, not long after I turned 19 in the August. And uh, I would go back every fortnight and have this little port in my armpit um, filled like the, there was a port that they would inject saline into that would go into the expanders. Once I got to the right size for my shape, like I'm quite broad shouldered and I'm a curvier woman. Uh, I went up to a C cup and we just sat with that size for a little while to let them settle. And then I had the implants put in. Uh, so it was, yeah, a month shy of my 20th birthday or still 19 when I had them. And like Emily, I loved them. Like I felt feminine for the first time. I felt like I could fill in normal dresses. My year 12 formal dress, I ended up putting those sticky chicken fillet bras and a push up bra on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I coasted along fine for a very long time. It was probably not until eight to 10 years of having breast implants that I realized that things were not quite right. So, and a lot of the symptoms, you know, I've spoken about this in my own podcast and women have told me the same. These symptoms we can kind of attribute to other things that are happening in our lives. Like my dad was terminally ill, so I was stressed and my hair was falling out. Maybe that was why, mm. um, you know, I'm getting a little bit older now. Maybe the joint pain was just part of that. Um, so I had um, hair loss, joint pain, muscle cramping just when walking, just a general flat walk. Um, it took me ages to recover from exercise. I had eye twitching, which is something I didn't realize was a BII symptom until I had a guest on my podcast and she mentioned it. I was like, wow, that's something I had too. I had this really horrible body odor. So I would shower in the morning, two hours later, like 10 a.m., I would stink. Like I'd never worn deodorant in my life. I'd rolled in a dump. Like it was just really, really horrible body odor that I just, I didn't know where it was coming from. I would use clinical protection deodorants. Um, all sorts and and nothing helped. I had super tired looking eyes, brain fog, and and I'd get halfway through a sentence and just forget where I was going. Like, what what, what was I saying? It was just gone. Uh, Weight gain. I also had migraines, but luckily for me, there were only a couple of years. Um, and I did have some psoriasis as well. And mine would just sort of pop up through winter here. Um, even though everyone sort of thinks of Australia as this beautiful sunny beach country, like where I am in Adelaide, we do get cold winters. So, um, (laughs) I I thought of sort of put it down to all the extra heating and the dry air that I'd get the psoriasis. But yeah, I found out on social media, it was actually, you know, when you're scrolling through Facebook and people come up as a recommended friend and generally they've got a few mutual friends. Sometimes it can mean that they've actually been looking you up. If you don't have any mutual friends, I've found that out. Oh, but wow. um, this woman came up. Yeah. <laughs> so just be careful how often you stalk people on Facebook. Um, so <laughs> uh, I, um, this woman came up and she had just this really random group of people that were mutual with me. And Adelaide can be a bit like that. We're a bit of a small town um, in a way, but it was people from my work, people from my gym, uh, and some just random people that lived in my area. So I was like, oh, who is she? And I jumped on and the first thing that came up on her feed was an article that she did about, oh, this is why I've had my breast implants removed. I'm like, 
what is this? Like, is this even a thing? Who who gets their implants removed? Like, you know, we we have them for life. They're lifetime devices, mm. right? <laughs> Sorry, another symptom I had was um, psoriasis in my ears. Like, my inside of my ears would get oh. so itchy. And she mentioned that in her article. She mentioned a whole heap of other things as well. But it was how specific is itching in your ears? I think, Abby, you've mentioned that you I had experienced that, yeah. that as I, well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had itching yeah. in my ears. And, it, oh, it's just, it's so... I, there's nothing quite like it because you can't quite get to it, but just trying to scratch constantly inside your ear canal, obviously it's not safe at all with a, an earbud, but yeah, it was awful. Mm. Yeah. I would wake up in the middle of the night and, and I've been scratching my ears in my sleep. It was that bad and it would end up bleeding. Like it was, it was horrible. And that still hasn't completely cleared up now, but it's so much better. Um, but yeah, when I first found out about BII, I sort of put it to the side. I'm like, no, like I can't imagine life without my implants. Like, you know, they changed my life in a big way. But then that, like, that's when I really started to notice how bad things were. Um, like, you know, I was hobbling in the mornings because my joint pain was so bad through my ankles and my feet. My hips were quite bad as well. Uh, it just impacted my life in a big way. I was probably living a half life for quite a while um, because of, yeah, how bad the symptoms were, but I just kept trying to exist. <laughs> and I'm, I actually was diagnosed last year. Um, well, I di- officially diagnosed this year, but it ha- it started last year with uh, the joint pain. I was I was getting out of bed in the morning and struggling to walk and things like that. And then around August last year, so I'd, I had the implants out in January this year. So this is you know six months before I had them out. Um, I started to get a, a pain in my finger and it swelled up. And I was I was questioning myself, you know, have I, have I heard this? Have I trapped it in a door or something and forgotten about it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this joint pain, and then it just never went away. And I was like, right. So then I went um, through the through the GP and and rheumatology and all that sort of thing, and still no one connected it to the breast implants. Even though I told them I was going to have them out, they just looked at me like I was mad. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's and and I've noticed significant. Um, you know, better joint pain since having them out. So that's, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a long list of symptoms that I had before and, I, you know, 85% are gone. So, yeah, it's all good. So, Emily, yeah, let's talk about that light bulb moment. So the minute you realised, obviously, your implants were causing all of these problems because, obviously, you, you explanted in, in January. So having gone to the doctors with joint pain six months prior to that at what point in between seeing the doctor and going to see rheumatology and booking your explant did the penny drop so I think well the penny dropped that I was I was 100% sure that it was the implants and after I start you know joined the Facebook group and started to read other people's stories and and I, I was just so sure it was then I actually would have had them out within you know a couple of weeks if I could the only reason that I actually waited to January was simply because we had two small children. Um, right. So we needed to wait until my parents were able to take some time off work um, and help. So I actually would have had them out a lot sooner if I could have done. Um, so that was the only reason um, really that I didn't have them out straight away. So let's skip forward to post-operation now, um, because I do want to get on to talking about everyone's views on why they actually think this happens to some people and not to others. So you wake up from the operation. How are you feeling directly after it? Yeah, so actually when when I went to um, the initial consultation with the surgeon that took them out, um, it was a recommended surgeon um, 
I actually had them out with Guy Stern, which I know a lot of the ladies have had them out with him as well. And when I went to the initial consultation, he, he did say to me that in terms of the autoimmune conditions, so my psoriasis and the arthritis, that he wasn't sure that that would really go away. Um, however, when it comes to a lot of the other symptoms, he said his exact words to me were 80% of the women that come back say that they are better and that's too much, too high to be a placebo. So those, those were his words, um, which stuck with me and actually gave me more confidence that I would get better after. Um, you know, I'm, I am still dealing with psoriasis. I am still de- dealing with the joint pain. Um, so he was right in a way that the ones that have gone away, um, you know, so I woke up after the, after the operation and I expected him to, to be in a lot more pain, actually. I don't know if anyone else was the same, but um, I was quite surprised compared to when I had them in, mm-hmm. how in, the pain was a lot better, actually. Um, I remember being in agonising pain when I had them put in, probably because my body was just trying to get them out and yeah, just didn't want them there. Um, no. But yeah, I don't know, maybe a side relief that... Um, that they're out and you, your body's just thanking you that they're actually out then. Um, I mean, Emily, you're only four months uh, post-explant now, aren't you? So obviously I had quite a few similar symptoms to you in the sense of the joint pain. I didn't have psoriasis, but it does take time for your body to sort of recalibrate and, and get better. Um, and, for, and also for you to realise actually how the symptoms are actually disappearing slowly one by one. And I would imagine maybe if we speak to you this time next year, you'll probably say that the psoriasis is nearly gone or gone completely and that the joint pain has got a lot better. I mean, I still suffer sometimes with a little bit of joint pain, but I really put that down to menopause, to be honest. I don't have the rheumatoid arthritis symptoms the way that I should do. So I don't think that 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 diagnosis is correct you know you're meant to have it uh, it's meant to mirror isn't it if you have it in the left hand you're meant to have it in the right hand and I don't have that but let's talk about your symptoms so what about migraines you were obviously having them quite frequently are you are you still suffering with migraines I don't get them at all now very very rarely so I haven't taken a, ta- a single tablet for my migraines you know apart from a paracetamol I've probably anything now for about since February that was last one that I got so that's that's been life-changing really has and okay and what about the um the cysts because obviously you discussed the cysts and we didn't really touch on those mm. I take it that this, the cyst was removed by the NHS or did it just disappear or did they wash their hands of it or was it when your implants came out that that's when it went how did because somebody might be listening to this that has a cyst with implants and want to know what happened and we haven't really touched on that of course, yes. So the, the breast cyst, actually, I'm struggling to find that now. I, I'm not 100% sure whether it's still there because it's still actually a little bit tender when I really push in there. Um, however, you know, what was quite obvious before, if it is still there, it's very small. Um, I don't get the shooting pain anymore. The, actually, it's quite interesting that the last time I got the shooting pain is when I woke up from the operation on the table and I was like, ah, oh, that really hurts. And then I haven't had it since. So that is just bizarre. But um, yeah, the thyroid cyst that they, you know, they did say to me that that would likely get bigger has actually shrunk by half. Um, amazing. So that's amazing as well. That's 
that's um yeah hopefully that'll go as well um but yeah like you said I think important to like give yourself time isn't it yeah it really is and I find the whole cysts thing really interesting as well because I got cysts when I had mine about two or three months into having them and they said oh they were they were probably there before and the implant has pushed them forward but I thought they were so small before that I would have known if there was a lump there I I, I can feel so I, I, I just find it really weird that you have these things put in and then you're developing cysts there has to be some kind of link there um should we move over to bianca now and run through your symptoms and which ones you still have and which ones you don't yeah sure this is like an extra bit of a story i guess um because i've gone through a bit since the explant to get to the bottom of some things sort of coming and going so I woke up from my explant with the most amazing mental clarity I um, have had uh, my explant was my 13th operation um, from my first one being that massive cyst when I was 19 um, through to yeah last year and I'm used to waking up in pain really foggy and crying my eyes out from from any kind of anesthetic but I woke up from this one happy like super happy I knew to look at the clock and go my partner's still here because it's still visiting hours so I'll be able to see him before he leaves and like that was the the first thing the second thing I noticed that body odor disappeared straight away so um, I'm not sure about there but here when you go in for surgery you can't wear any deodorants or any creams so I didn't put any deodorant on so I was petrified of stinking at the hospital room (laughs) but the day after my explant (laughs) it was that bad but the day after my explant I had a bed bath and I warned the nurse I said look I've reeked for months um it might have even been over a year looking back uh, and she actually sniffed for me she's like no you you know there's no smell at all (laughs) and I haven't had to go back to like I just wear a natural deodorant now I'm trying to avoid the heavy metals, the aluminium and the deodorant, because we have heavy metals in our systems for so long. It's interesting that you say that as, as about the, the sweating, because I was actually the opposite. I didn't sweat at all. Uh, you know, for years, I, I would go to the gym with a friend and, well, going quite far back because I didn't have the energy to do it in the recent years. But um, I would go and do like an exercise class with, with a friend and they would be pouring in sweat. And I would just have none and I'd just have a red face. So, yeah, I think this is another common symptom where, you know, there's issues either one way or the other with, you know, how how the body produces. I I agree because I'm not very sweaty. Like even now I'll I'll do 15 minutes on the bike, I'll do some weights and I'll have a little little bit. I I feel hot, but I don't really sweat. And I do think there is a a big part of, uh, I think you touched on it before, Emily, of the detox pathways being blocked because my God, I've always had horrendous hangovers and I've got IBS Mm. and, and, you know, I I just keep everything in. uh, And I think there is definitely a link there. Bianca, back to you. Sorry, yeah. let's let's carry on with your symptoms and uh, how they all disappeared, hopefully. And can I just quickly ask, Bianca, can you just let everyone know how long ago you explanted as well? So I explanted almost 11 months ago, so it was June the 27th in 2022. Perfect, thank you. Um, walking around the hospital room, I was almost waiting. It's funny because you get used to hobbling first thing in the morning or limping <laughs> because your hips and back are sore. And then suddenly when, you, when you're not doing it, you, you automatically still do that to a degree. So I'd get out of the hospital bed and go to walk and be like assume that I would start hobbling and I wouldn't. I was just walking like I was a normal person and I hadn't done that in years. Um my eyes so you you generally when you look up the facebook groups and you see the photo search results 
it'll always be the before and after of people's eyes. And my eyes just changed to being this beautiful, clear color. Um, you know, they were very gray, like the actual iris was gray. I normally have blue gray eyes. And then the whites of my eyes were like, a, oh, some days they were almost yellow. Some days they were almost gray. The next day, like 2 p.m. the next afternoon I took a photo and the change was just so massive like they were just looked so clear for the first time in a long time um and I coasted along really well for a while like I could go for walks without my calves cramping and you know could get out of bed without hobbling for a while but about four months later it started to come back again and people talk about uh, I've heard them being called detox waves or flare-ups and I had a few detox wave headaches um, that happened. The first one was, I can't remember if it was a week or three weeks after the surgery, um, but like it would come back for a day and then I'd be fine. But then about four months later, I started to have the, the hip pain and the back pain come back. Um, I had severe pelvic pain and um, when it came to my cycle, I was spotting all of the time and I did have an IUD and through my research of BII, I did come across the fact that some women react in similar ways to BII symptoms with their IUD, and I decided to have that taken out. And the relief from the pelvic pain and the hip and back pain was that afternoon. So I had the IUD out that morning, and then, yeah, that afternoon was feeling amazing again. So that was November last year. And then in the last oh, month to six weeks, I've been feeling rotten again. So um, really bad pain through my ankles and my feet. Um, really bad brain fog. Um, I do have IBS as well. I've probably always had it, but it was exacerbated with the implants. But I just felt that horrible full feeling all of the time. So I'd start to eat dinner and I'd be full within a couple of mouthfuls and I just mm. didn't want to eat anymore and I'd get heartburn. Um, so I sort of look, I went to my GP, had some really interesting answers from the GP that just kind of brushed off. Mm. So I've decided to go and see a naturopath and have more extensive testing done. And, um, I have come back with, um, I've heard of a lot of people in the BII world talking about the MTHFR gene mutation or gene. I'm not quite sure how to word it, but I've actually got two variants of that, which means that my body does not detox well at all. So interesting that we talk about detox pathways. Um, my body just won't do that very well on its own. So I'm sort of working with a naturopath on, on detoxing at the moment. So, I mean, Bianca, you had your implants in probably a very similar amount of time to me. Um, mine were in for 15 years. Um, and I know that you're probably going to, and we discussed prior to recording this, obviously you've had your histopathology reports back as well, which well, I'll let you reveal the results, which was exactly the same as mine. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you are going on this roller coaster ride of feeling okay and then not feeling great again because that's exactly what I had. And I'd say it did take me a good couple of years until my body finally was like, oh, okay, I don't think I'm under attack anymore. I can just chill out and, and I can relax a little bit. So I hope that gives you some hope that that you will hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel and, and feel so much better. And now you should reveal to everyone about these results because I've just bigged it up. <laughs> <laughs> no worries so 
Um, when I was in the hospital, my surgeon was quite worried about the fact that my capsules had a lot of calcification through them and the brand of implant I had was one that was known to cause the breast implant associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma um, that I know you've spoken about before on um, your podcast. So when I went for my follow-up appointment, she had a look at the report and just basically said, oh, there's no cancer in there and then ran off. She's, again, a woman of few words. But recently I've asked for a copy of that report because I'm part of a breast implant illness study here in Australia and they just asked for more information. And got the report from the doctor, put it in my handbag, came home. I had to sort of start working straight away and then read it in my lunch break. And it does say that um, there are, there's the calcification and features consistent with silicon bleed. And I wasn't told this 11 months ago when I explanted. So as you said, Abby, if I've got that kind of stuff going through my system still, yeah. then yeah, it's, that's probably why I was feeling so horrible. And, you know, couple that with that gene mutation, my body obviously needs more help. And, and I, I've sort of said in my own podcast, oh, I don't believe in detoxes, but a detox to me was like the ones that people would do years ago where they would be on a super restrictive diet or like I remember a friend doing a lemon detox diet and just not eating and drinking lemon with pepper in it, like lemon water with pepper in it. And that was all she would exist on for, for ages. Uh, and that's not, you know, that doesn't align with the way I live my life. So when I saw the naturopath and she was like, no, that's, that's absolutely not something I believe in either. I was like, oh, thank goodness. So yeah, we're working together on something that is achievable and I'm starting to feel a heck of a lot better. I know that um, talking about detoxing, I know that Emily, you are, well, your Instagram page is called Toxic Free Living Co. So you know a lot about this. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your findings? Yeah, so I was the same as Bianca. I actually hired a naturopath as well um, when I first found out about breast implant illness. Uh, I wanted to sort of prepare my body before and afterwards. And yeah, it's been a, a learning journey. I mean, I, it, the science behind it is, is fascinating. I'm actually going to study uh, naturopathic nutrition in October now because I've learned that much about it. And I feel like so many people can be helped and I'd just love to be able to help people in that way. Um that I've decided to actually change career in that way. So yeah, yeah. that's been quite a journey across yeah. across the board. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that I didn't realise how closely connected all our systems are. So when it comes to you know the immune system, which is constantly trying to battle these huge bags in our chest, it actually affects all our systems. So our endocrine systems with our hormones, you know. Yeah. Every system in the body, the gut, you know, the, the vagus nerve, if anyone wants to have a Google of that, that, you know, goes from the gut to the brain, you know, this, if our um, uh, systems are, you know, one system isn't, isn't working, it can actually affect all the other systems, which is probably why, you know, a lot of different symptoms appear for, for people depending on you know, where the weak spots are, if you will, so... Absolutely. I mean, I actually, funnily enough, Emily did exactly the same thing. I did a, I did, I started a nutrition degree. Um, and I did a year and I couldn't carry it on. But um, I learned exactly the same stuff about how intertwined all our systems are in our body. But what I did learn and something that I hope our listeners can take away is that the body is incredible and has the ability to heal itself. And we just have to give it time. Mm. And we're very much now, um, everything has to be done now. We need everything done yesterday. And if we just allow our bodies to have that time to heal and just sit back and relax and just let it do its job, it will get there. 
It's just not having any stress and panic while it's just maybe a little bit achy and a little bit hurty and a little bit migrainey. That's what I learned over my, gosh, is it six years now? And it, it, your body can heal itself. It's just a beautiful machine. No, absolutely. I agree. And I think it's opened my eyes to a lot of things as well. Like I think before learning about the breast implant illness and, and what was in these implants and all this kind of thing and, you know, the FDA approving things, all that kind of stuff. I think I just trusted everything, you know, and anything that was uh, in the pharmaceutical world or in the supermarket. So it, it must be fine, you know, it's it's not going to, but things do affect your body. And I think you just have to be an advocate for your own health. I think it's age. interesting because when you were talking about your story, Emily, and your friend said to you, have you thought it could be your breast implants? And you said, why would that be? And now that you Go know on. so much, it's, it seems so obvious. <laughs> of course, of course, it's that that's it's- causing problems. And Bianca, with you having spoken to so many women on your podcast now, what do you think is the, the reason behind it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, for From... You know, all the people I've spoken with, all of the social media accounts that I follow, I feel like due to the fact that the implants are made of, I guess is the wording, that I think it's 40 different heavy metals, mm. um, the fact that it is a foreign body in the body as well, um, our body just fights so hard to reject it and it puts so much energy into that that, you know, your other systems are compromised. Um like um, as em- Emily was saying how everything is linked, I've ended up with an un- slightly underactive thyroid. I was heading towards Hashimoto's thyroiditis as well. Um, and some of my sex hormones are out too. So, um, you know, that wasn't, I don't think that was a thing before I had implants. So, you know, it was plugging along nicely in life. Um, but yeah, I just think it's that the body sort of sets off an inflammatory response to try and get rid of the implants. I do think it's a massive hormone disruptor as well, which again, ties in with what Emily was saying about your body having that homeostatic which need to stay on that even keel. The minute one thing is off, it affects the hormones throughout your body. Um, and so I truly think that it's a massive hormone imbalance because that's why we're mimicking a lot of um, symptoms of uh, the menopause as well. So this systemic reaction is then knocking all our hormones out of kilter and then that's when we're having all of these crazy symptoms. Would you agree with that? Yep, definitely. I also think that nearly everybody I know that has implants, and I've said this before on the pod, um, they all have a symptom, but it's not enough to want to take their implants out. But I think if you're unlucky or lucky in a way, I think, because I'm glad I don't have them anymore, um, like us, you could have you could have a, a, a full range of things. So you could have the, is it the MTHFR gene where you can't detox, which I will practically guarantee I have. Then if you've already got IBS and you've got eczema and you've got all sorts of other things going on already, it's gonna, it is going to exacerbate those symptoms and, and your body isn't going to cope. Yeah, and I think there's definitely some people... Me included, and Brandy, who I've had on my podcast as well, um, she didn't get breast implants, but it was she, like looking back now, she's glad she didn't because uh, both of our bodies have rejected a lot of the same things. So um, I've rejected perfectly healthy piercings in the past. I obviously rejected the um, the IUD, and I've also had surgical mesh put in 
back in 2017, I had another issue with my reproductive system just to add to, you know, the previous ones and my ovary had attached to the outside of my bowel and part of that surgery, the doctor took them apart, but he also put a surgical mesh around that ovary to stop it from happening again. And you do hear of women who have issues with um, re rejecting surgical mesh. So I think all of those put together just really overloaded my immune system and mm. caused it to get a lot worse. It was possibly, I possibly had some BIR symptoms just bubbling in the background for a while, but add in the surgical mesh, add in the IUD, add in piercings, maybe even tattoos as well. You see, hear some people talking about that, um, that yeah, my body was just like, nah, get all of this out of me now. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I do agree with that. I think that's why when I when I had mine and um, it got to that point because, you know, I'd I'd had tattoos that you know before that and you know drink drinking alcohol when I don't do well with that anyway, um, you know I think everything combined it just gets to a tipping point, doesn't it? And then it's like no, and that's when you know you can get the autoimmune things and mm -hmm. you know people might not have a tipping point that you know they can handle a lot more their bodies can and that's you know why they don't get sick like we do from them um i'm not sure but yeah i think there's definitely something in that that it's just this toxic load that just builds and builds and builds um until it can't take it anymore i mean i actually was quite surprised when i saw my implants on on a photo when they come out um, i'm absolutely fascinated with seeing photos of everyone implants when they mm, come out me too. i just spend all the time scrolling all these uh, pictures on uh, various Instagram accounts of, of what they look like when they come out. I mean, some of them are shocking, aren't they? Yeah. Um, my, yeah. My, I had one of them that was um, looked almost as if it, when it went in, and the other one, in comparison, was this awful yellow colour. And I, I actually asked the surgeon, I said, well, why is this implant so yellow, you know, and the other one's fine? And he, he didn't really know, to be honest. I think there's not enough research in, into that area. I mean, he was great. You know, my surgeon's absolutely fantastic. Um, he was open and honest and, you know, felt, I felt like he really wanted to help. Um, when, But with this question, he he couldn't really answer. He said, you know, they think that it could be staining from blood that got in. And that just made me think, okay, so if, if this blood is getting in to stain this implant, what is getting out? Yes. And that was all... Mm. Exactly. It's interesting what you say about the the toxic load and the fact that it, if someone's toxic load just becomes too much to deal with, it's still a toxic load even if you're not getting to the point where you want to have them out. That's my belief. You're never going to be 100% healthy and living your best life with those things in them. That's my personal belief. I also agree with that, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Our ladies, thank you so, so much for coming on today and sharing your journey and your stories with us and all our listeners. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us.